Well, I'm excited about this morning. Um, this morning is a morning of, I'll say, fulfillment for me. Uh, one of the things God's placed on my heart is that we all have voices, and it's good to hear from different voices. And so I had a conversation with Jordan, and Jordan Rabin is going to be bringing a message to us this morning. So if you haven't already been blessed this morning, you're going to be blessed even more. Jordan, I'll say the pressure's all lifted. God already spoke, so it's not that much pressure anymore. So, uh, But anyway, I'll ask you to come forward. Jordan's going to bring a message. I'm going to pray for him, and we're, uh, we're going to be expectant that God's going to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for Jordan and his willingness to step out. And be used of you. And I pray your anointing upon him. I ask that every word he speaks is yours. I pray for us in this room that our ears are inclined to you, that we hear what you're speaking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give Jordan a little appreciation before we get started. Just to, there you go. All right. Good morning, everyone. I've got to make sure this thing is the right height or I won't be able to see over it. So, um, It's scary up here. I don't know if it's because there's so many people out there or if it's just because I'm this much closer to Jim. Uh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, the truth is that I have a story that I feel like God's been putting on my heart for a while now. Um, but if my sermon is really bad, I just ask that you blame Steve because he gave me the microphone. Um, obviously, I'm just kidding. Uh, my sermon isn't going to be bad, obviously. And Jim, just know that I can see every facial expression you make up here. So don't laugh too hard. (laughs) All right, I pray today that you guys all get something out of this. Um, But most of all, I pray that God uses it for his purpose and his glory. Um, So much of this sermon I felt was given to me in the middle of the night, and it was directly from him. And we all know that God's word doesn't return void, regardless of who gives it. Um, So many of you guys know me. Some of you guys know me just a little bit. Some of you guys have known me for a long time because I've was raised in this town. Um, some of you guys have known me since I was just a little bit skinnier. Right. right, Jim? Okay, maybe a lot skinnier. It's been a while. All right. So now I live in Shattern with my family, um, but I was raised just five miles north of here. Uh, my roots are here in uh, Crawford. Most of my family lives here in town. And my favorite golf course is just outside of town, so I don't wander too far. Um, most of you all know my parents well. And many of you knew or know my grandparents. So then you guys would know that I was basically raised in the church. Um, Ever since I can remember, I was crawling around on the floor underneath the pews, um, often against my will, every single Sunday and most Wednesdays. And let's be honest, just like I make my kids come with me today, I was forced to go. My parents made me. So since I was raised in in the church, the truth is, I don't have a crazy off-the-wall story about how I was saved, but this is what I remember. When I was around eight years old or so, uh, we had a missionary come to our church on a Sunday night, and he told us some stories. And he told us a story that I remember that I actually listened to about how at one point in his life uh, he was a truck driver, and he used to witness to people in gas stations as he stopped along the way. And he told us this story basically about what God had been doing in his life. And he told a story about a man that he ran into at a gas station that he told about Jesus. And I don't remember, honestly, if if the man listened. I don't remember the whole entire story or anything like that. 
I just remember that 30 minutes later, he said he was on the road again, and that man he had just been talking to was killed in a car wreck. And I remember after that sermon, just crying my eyes out and going to the altar and asking Jesus into my heart. Then, as I grew up, uh, I remember repenting over and over and over again every single time I got into a car. Because just in case we got into a car wreck, I was afraid if I hadn't asked for forgiveness that day and for all the sins that I had done that I just wouldn't go to heaven. So in a nutshell, for a good majority of my young life, this was my basic understanding of salvation. That it was very law-based. I knew that God loved me but that he was also a very just God. And if I had done bad things and hadn't repented, then I wasn't going to heaven. Because of this understanding, as I got older, the more difficult it became to uh, live this kind of lifestyle. Because, I mean, seriously, who can remember to repent and pray to God every single time we get into a car? I mean, the truth is I was wrong in the way I understood God and his love and his grace for me. I thought I had to do something or be something um, for God to love me. I felt like I had to earn my way into heaven. And eventually, after realizing that trying really hard to live perfectly was basically impossible, um, I started to not care as much. I loved God and I followed Him, but eventually I quit trying. Because I knew trying really hard to be a good Christian wasn't working. Because anything that is based in my own abilities has always and will always fall short. So the first thing I want to tell you guys today today is this, especially to the young people. If you were like I used to be and you were trying really hard to be a good Christian, you're missing the point. And you're missing the understanding of God's love and grace in your life. And you're completely missing the one-on-one relationship that he really desires to have with you. So let us pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak. I thank you for your word that you gave me to share with our church today. Lord, I pray that you will uh, place it in our hearts, just resonate in us. Help us know that this is your story and this is not about us. Um, Use me as your conduit um, to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so beyond what I told you about me, Who am I? I'm not a missionary or anything special. I don't come from a far-off place with a bunch of really cool stories about how God, like, grew back someone's arm. I heard that once, right in front of them. Um, I heard a missionary, you know, a few weeks back at Winter Conference talk about how God grew back his son's kidney. Those are amazing stories, and those are stories that God is using through his people. But that's not me. I'm just a normal guy who gets to speak to you guys today. I don't deserve to be up here, but I do know according to his word that I'm called to speak and share his story. And I'm only up here by his grace alone. The truth is we are all called to be part of his story because of God's love for us. But it is our choice to be used most of the time. And today he is using me. And I chose to be used. Even though talking in front of your friends and family is probably way more difficult than it is to talk in front of people you don't even know. But today I get to to be used by God, and I get to tell you guys a few stories. 
And I pray today, sorry, I forgot this. And I pray today that God uses me and the stories that I'm about to share to speak to your heart. All right, so let's get started. So today I'm going to tell you guys a few short stories. I'm guessing most of you guys have heard these stories before. Um, If you want to, you can join with me in a Bible or I'll have it on the screen here shortly. Uh, The first one we're going to turn to is Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Maybe. Nope, just went off. (laughs) well okay cool oh jesus really small up there all right so i'll read it out loud here you guys can just follow along if you want okay so this first story is about a man that i very much relate to and his name is simon peter and it starts in verse 31 in chapter 26 then jesus told him this very night you will fall away on account of me for it is written i will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same. Now we're going to scroll down to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I do not know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them. I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. End chapter. Okay, so now we're going to move over to short story number two. I don't know if this thing's working now or not, but we'll try it. Hey, all right, it does. All right, so this story is, we're going to start in Acts 7, starting in verse 54. And this short story is about a man named Saul, later known as Paul. And once again, it's up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. All right, so starting in verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. They were referring to Stephen here. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I, have, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelled at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So beginning in chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all, the, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. All right, so that's short story number two. And the last short story we're going to read is, uh, starts in Matthew 27 and verse 57. 
Okay, so this one's starting in verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and the Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in a new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So go give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be far worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. End chapter. Okay, so today I read you guys three short stories about the lives of three different people. Peter, Paul, and Jesus. I appreciate you guys all coming today. That's the end of my sermon. <laughs> I have a great Sunday, right? Okay, you, I'm just kidding, obviously. But what if this was it? Okay, what if this was the end of the story? What if this is the end of what I told you today? And I just walked off. How would you guys feel today when you went home and you were driving home? Would you feel sad? Would you feel depressed? I mean, if you didn't know the full stories of these people and it was your first time ever hearing about them, would you be in suspense maybe because you want to know what happened? Some of you guys may grab a Bible and start to read because you want to know what happened and you're willing to read about it. Some of you guys might be just like, wow, what a waste. What a Sunday this was. How was that the end? There was nothing good that happened in these stories at all. So I want you just to take a moment and think about this. What if that was the end of the story for each one of these men? What if the rest of the story was never told? What if that was it? What if that's all we ever knew about Peter? What if that's all we ever heard about Paul? What if the death and burial of Jesus was the end of his story. Some of you guys might be too young when I'm referring to, but what if Paul Harvey didn't exist? And he never told us the rest of the story. The young people, you have to look it up. Trust me on that. So what would that mean? What would we miss? Would we ever relate to Paul? I mean, how would we ever know God's true heart? How would we ever know about God's saving redemption? I mean, the truth is, Peter is someone that a lot of us relate with. Um, I know I do, probably more than anyone else in the Bible. I mean, the guy had an amazing heart. He talked a big game. He was the first to speak up, always the first to answer. He was the first to open his mouth on almost every occasion. But Peter also wanted to do things his way. As we see in the first story about Peter, he walked like a Jesus follower. He talked like a Jesus follower. And in fact, he legit walked with Jesus on this earth for years, in the flesh. Okay? But in the end, we see in this short story that when Peter was pressed just a little bit, the goo inside Peter, the true being of who Peter was, began to come out. And it wasn't very pretty. 
Because it revealed the truth that with Peter, even though he had been following Jesus for years, it was still about Peter. He promised to go to death with Jesus. And the truth is, he wasn't even getting pressed by the people that were putting Jesus on trial. No, no, he gets impressed by a little girl in the courtyard, and instantly the true nature of Peter comes out. So what about you guys today? When you were pressed by things in this life, does goo come out? Can you relate with Peter? So what if the rest of Peter's story was never told? What if him running off after denying Jesus was his legacy? Because the story ended there. I mean, this is the guy we all seem to relate to at moments. And if Peter's story was never told, we may never understand that it is possible to be fully redeemed. We may never understand that we can be fully transformed by Christ's love for us. Where when we begin to get pressed, there's no more goo coming out. Instead, it's just more of Jesus. So who in here likes to read or likes to read a good book? Anybody? There's a few, quite a few of us. All right. So if you like to read a book, then you guys know how stories go. There's a beginning. There's a plot line, which is usually the main part of the story. And then there's the ending. In the middle of the book, there are twists and turns. There's usually sorrows and joys. And if you haven't caught on yet, I want to point out now that our lives are a story. Okay? And during our lives, there are many short stories, there's many plot lines, and there's twists and turns. But even beyond our short stories that we have on our li- in our lives here on earth, this is what I want you guys to get a hold of today, and that is we are part of His story. And here's the saddest part. We as Christians often know this, like we know it. We know we're part of His story, but we way too often forget it. We don't always live that way because we forget that we are part of his story. I mean, the truth is, I forget it every single time. I have to be reminded daily. And let's be honest, most of the time my wife has to remind me because I'm too off in my own little world. So I remember one time during the most difficult times in my life, I was on the floor crying out to God. And I'll be honest, (laughs) I was complaining a lot. It was, always, it was about, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing me to go through this? God, why, 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 why? Cry, 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 cry. No, God, you're wrong, God. Like, why is this happening? Over and over and over and over again. And I remember after I was done crying to God for probably an hour, I just sat there, in, <laughs> just in the silence, and as I was sitting there, I remember yelling to God and being like, God, aren't you even listening and I clearly heard him speak to me with a, with a smile in his voice after I had just gotten done complaining to him for an hour. And he said this. He said, oh, Jordan, you still think this is about you. Don't we all? Every single day, throughout the day, still even to this day, I still think it's about me. So often, I mean, it is so frustrating Because I still, over and over and over again, think it's about me. And then I wonder why I struggle in life. Why I struggle over stupid things that are happening. Because the truth is, even though I know in my core, just like Peter, when I'm squeezed by life just a little bit, 
There's a lot of goo coming out. The truth is we all have a story to tell. And often we like to share our stories by complaining about our lives or to complain about how bad things are going. We tell the story as if it's completely about us and we completely forget that we are part of a bigger story. You see, we tend to focus on the plot line that actually reflect us and our mistakes and our complaints and what we didn't get in this life, that we actually completely miss the story that we are called to. We miss telling people the part that actually matters, which is who God is and what he has done in our lives and how he is transforming us. You see, our plot line and our ending should always bring Christ's glory because it is all about him. Our lives were purchased by him. Paul and Peter's stories, or Peter and Paul lived, or lives told stories. And personally, when I read the first half of their story, I recognized that they thought it was all about them. They lived their lives to bring themselves glory. But if you continue reading, once they gave their stories over to God, their lives were transformed. And just like Peter and Paul, we are called to tell our story. There are people out there who need to hear it. The truth is, they don't need to hear you complain about all the horrible things that's happened in your life or all the things that may or may not have happened in your life. Nor do they need to hear about all the awesome things that's happened in your life or what we've accomplished or experienced throughout our lives. They need to hear about what Jesus is doing in your life. Their hearts, just like ours, are craving to hear what Christ is doing and how he is transforming lives. This world is craving love, especially now. And Jesus is the only one who can fill that void. Christ's story is what matters most. And we are truly blessed to be part of it. I can't stand up here this morning and tell you guys some crazy story about how I was radically saved one day. About how, you know, excuse me, but I guarantee that many of you guys have an awesome story of how God saved you. How he picked you guys up out of your own story and brought you into his. I know my wife has an awesome story that she could share. I can't stand up here today and tell you a story about how God saved me physically and healed my body from a close death experience. But I know that my dad, and I know Roy's not here today, but I know Roy could probably tell you guys some pretty amazing stories. Those aren't my stories to share, but they might be yours, and the world needs to hear them. Now today, I, can't, I could stand up here today and tell you part of my story, a chapter in which, when I was a boy, how I felt worthless most of my life. I struggled ever getting out of my own head. I had voices constantly telling me that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I couldn't do anything right. I could tell you about how I constantly struggled to feel like I would ever live up to other standards or to God's standard in my life. How at a young age, I honestly thought about suicide daily. I could stand up here today and tell you a chapter out of my life that as a teenager, I struggled with lust and finding purpose. How my identity was found in whatever brought short-term happiness. 
And at 18 years old, I found out that I was going to be a father. So at 18, I got married and had a son. Yet that didn't really change me. I just pressed harder. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I had no idea how to take care of myself, let alone two other people. I was still broken. I still struggled with suicidal thoughts and fears about who I could become. And now I had to try to figure out how to be a dad and a husband. The truth is, at 18 years old, I thought I had wrecked my entire future. I thought I had let every Christian person I knew down. But most of all, I felt like I had failed God. And I could stand up here and tell you a chapter of when I thought being a good dad meant that I needed to make as much money as possible so I could kick, so I could take care of them. So I worked really, really hard to chase the American dream and provide for my family. I went to college. I got a decent job. But when I wasn't making enough money and my dream wasn't working out well, I decided I needed to find another way. So I thought the best way that I could take care of my family, obviously, was doing what I was good at and what I wanted to do the most. And the truth is, I wanted to be a professional golfer or a professional poker player, one of the two. So I spent most of my spare time getting better and better at that as I could, making as much money as I could, and eventually all that hard work actually paid off. I had a lot of money. And I was taking care of my family in the best way I knew how. I was taking them on trips all around the world. I was buying them gifts while also doing whatever I wanted to do because money was no longer an issue. I could stand up here today and tell you guys that during those chapters in my life, money gave an illusion of giving me everything that I desired. Yet even with a great job, with lots of money, two kids and a wife, it didn't bring me true joy, peace, or happiness. During this chapter in my life, I wasn't a bad guy. I didn't do a bunch of horrible things. I went to church every single Sunday. I still prayed every single day, even if they were selfish prayers. I was just having fun, living life. I was experiencing the things I never thought possible. Yet the more I chased my dreams, truthfully, the more I felt alone and lost. The more I had, the more I wanted. And the more I wanted, the more I needed to have. There was never enough of any of it. There was never an end goal. I just had to get better at what I did. I had to do more. I had to make more. You see, I have always been an all-or-nothing person. You could ask anyone that knows me, and they will attire to that for 100%. Although in moments it can be an awesome, great strength for me, so many often, so many, so often, it is also my biggest weakness. I'm either all in or I'm all out. I'm either the best at what I do or I don't do it at all. I don't like doing things halfway. During these chapters of my life, it was an extreme all or nothing. I could tell you a chapter in my story that while I worked and I played hard, I did things my way. Everything was about me. My focus was always on me. I loved the people in my life. I wanted good for them. I tried to be there for them in every single way I knew how. I tried to be a good dad. I tried to be a good husband. Just like I tried to be a good Christian. I tried, I tried. In all the ways that I knew how. But ultimately, 
My main focus was on me. And over time, my family and the people that I cared for the most paid the price. I hurt my family because of my selfishness. And the time I spent chasing the world. Here I was, (laughs) thinking money was the fix-all. That I missed out on so many special moments with my family. My kids just wanted their dad. And my wife just wanted her husband. But during those chapters of my life, that's not what I wanted. I was broken, and I was writing my story. And doggone it, I was writing a good one. The truth is, in a lot of ways, I didn't want my family to get in the way of what I was doing, in the way of my dreams. And in my mind, in many ways, they were lucky to be part of my story. I can stand up here today and tell you a chapter from my story with many twists and turns where my American dream eventually became a nightmare. It was here one day and gone the next. In that chapter, I made a lot of easy money. I had a lot of fun. And I was writing a story how I wanted. In one moment, my life, things were going great. I remember a time where I was literally rolling around in $40,000 in $20 bills. And I was telling people my marriage was the best that it had ever been. That my family life was perfect. Then in the next chapter and the few after, I went through the hardest time of my life. The veil from my eyes was torn down, and my American dream fell apart right in front of me. I went from a chapter where everything felt perfect, family life was good, money was good, and at the turn of a page, I was $40,000 in credit card debt. My marriage very unexpectedly ended because I was blind to the reality around me. I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, and a split family. You see, chasing this world left me broken and contemplating life once again and all the choices that I had made. If I stood up here today and dove deep into these stories, I'll be honest, some of them would be very entertaining. Hollywood honestly could write a soap opera called The Life of Jordan, and people would watch and be entertained. All right? These stories would make you laugh, and in many moments they might make you cry. But if all of these stories ended before we got to the rest of the story, what would be the point of me telling them? Because if I told you these stories and continued to live a life that is solely based on what my flesh wants, I would still be missing it. All the things that God brought me through and all the things that he taught me in the midst of those chapters would basically be wasted. Because if nothing in my life changed, telling you my story wouldn't do anything but edify my own ego. Just like in the story we read about that we read about Peter. For years, he spent all of this time with Jesus. But somehow, he was still missing it. If I continued to live that lifestyle, I would still be missing it. Every single chapter in my life where I was writing my own story, living the way I wanted, chasing the things that I wanted, it failed horribly every single time. Today, I have to be checked so often 
I still fail over and over. I still chase after things my flesh wants all the time. It's so frustrating because there are still areas in my life where I'm still chasing my story. And almost every single time, even if it takes a while, it ends up failing horribly, and I look back at the mess that I made. And then I realize what I was doing. And church, I'm telling you guys today the truth when I say, I'm not there yet. I'm up here preaching to you guys today, telling you guys what you should do, while I still struggle in this area myself very badly. The truth is, I'm preaching this word to me this morning. But you guys know what is awesome today. Every single time, he is there to pick me back up and guide my story back to his. I can tell you guys today that when I look back over, over every single one of the chapters of my life, I can look back and I can see God working. I can see how he used my stories, even when I made a giant mess of them. How he was there every single time calling me back to him. And even today, how he's using my stories that I made a mess of to speak to others. You see, God loved me too much to leave me in those chapters. He cared more about me and my relationship with him than he did my financial situation. And truthfully, even my marriage. My relationship with him mattered more. I mean, the truth is it took me a while to learn that. He showed me that my fleshly desires in this life are only temporary. But my relationship with him and his story is eternal. I may not be like Peter yet. Where in Acts 2 he preaches the gospel in front of a, you know, thousands of people, massive crowd of people, in which thousands of people are saved. But I am standing up here today in front of you guys, telling of what Jesus has done in my life. I may not be like Paul yet, who God used to write just under half of the New Testament that we read in our Bibles today. Once his story got aligned with his, with God's. But I can tell a story to people of what Jesus has done in my life and what he is capable of doing in theirs. I heard a pastor a while back say this in a sermon, and it stuck with me. He said this, We cannot usually see God's hand looking forward, but we can usually see God's hand looking back. And how true is that? We often get so caught up in the chapter and what is happening in our lives right now in the moment that it's happening. Focusing on what we want and what we expect to happen, and then complaining nonstop when we don't get it. That we often miss what God is doing and what he is trying to teach us. I finished a book I was reading the other day, and as I was reading it, throughout the entire book, throughout the entire plot line, I thought I had the whole story figured out. But when I got to the ending of that book, I was completely blown away. Because the ending wasn't what I expected at all. The reality of the story was suddenly made clear. And the entire way I viewed the story was transformed. Because once the story was over, it was easy to look back and see through each chapter how the ending was being set up. I think our story often works in the same way. We live our lives so often doing things our way, 
We complain and wonder why things aren't going great. And we are afraid to give ourselves and our stories over to God. Because we are afraid of what He might ask us to do or to surrender. Then when we finally realize we made a giant mess and that we are not capable of doing it on our own, we finally surrender to God and we are blown away by what He does. What He shows us that He has been doing the entire time how he's shaping us and molding us and preparing us to be used for his story. If you guys remember last week, Steve talked about the potter and how the potter gets the clay and gets to choose what the clay is going to be. And it's the same way with the story. The author is writing the story. The author is the one who knows how the story is going to end. He's writing the story how he wants to write it. Because he's the one that's writing it. God knows your story because he is writing it. Trust that the author knows what is best for the characters in his book. Just like the short stories we shared this started with this morning, Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. That wasn't the end of his story. In Matthew 28, Jesus walks out of the tomb. He conquered death for us so we wouldn't have to spend eternity without him. Peter's story didn't end with the denial of Jesus. As most of you know, we later read that he went on to share God's story to thousands of people over his life whose lives were radically transformed. Peter's life was one that was actually included in that transformation, so much so that, in fact, there's a story in the Bible in Acts 5 where the sick are trying to crawl into Peter's shadow as he walks by just so they can be healed. And then there is Paul. His story didn't end when he was beating and persecuting and killing believers. I mean, he has all kinds of stories in the New Testament that he shares. Because once his story is lined up with Jesus's, everything changed. You see, when we surrender our stories, we should be excited to see what the next page brings. Because no matter what happens next, we know that he is in control and that the end of the book is already written by him. I mean, if we're not excited about his story, then we probably need to check our hearts a bit and check our lives and see who's doing the writing. Can I have the band come up? I don't know about you guys, but I know I was and often am still writing way too much of my story. And I'll be honest, without him guiding me, I'm a really bad writer, but I'm so thankful that he loves me and has so much grace, enough to go behind me time and time again to fix all the mistakes in my book and gets me realigned with him. Honestly, even my wife had to go behind me as I was writing the sermon to proofread it multiple times and fix the mistakes that I made. And I would guarantee that she would agree that grammatical errors are not the only messes that she has to go behind me and clean up. I'm not joking. I mean, you guys should have seen this thing. I, when I wrote this sermon out, I brought it to her, and she gave it back to me. It looked like she had spilled Kool-Aid all over it. There were so many red markings on it <laughs> because of all the mistakes that I had made. The fact is, I don't think God designed us to be writers without him. We make too much of a mess. My life is not my story. Your life is not your story. 
Our lives were paid for at a very high price. Our lives are His story to be written. God gave me this sermon in the middle of the night, and I stayed up all night writing it. And I was praying and asking for guidance. I felt like God wanted me to ask you guys all a couple questions to think and ponder this week. And the first question is, will you, church, surrender your story today and choose to be used by Him? Are you tired of making a mess? And will you allow Him to write your story? I also felt like He wanted me to tell you guys to remember this. That through every story, every page that is turned, every tear that is spilled, every prayer that is spoken, through every single tough chapter in your life, He is with you. Be steadfast in Him and know that He is the best author for your story. And last of all, just like Peter and Paul did, share it. Share that story. Share what He is doing in your life and what He has done. There are people in this world that need to hear it. He calls us to share who He is and who we are being transformed into. There are millions of people out there today that need to hear this. They need to hear this story. Because He is writing the greatest story that will ever be told. And we get to be a part of that story. You just have to allow him to use you. Thank you. God, it's good, amen. If you appreciate Jordan, make sure you let him know before you go. Where Oh, he's back there. He's a little shorter. It's hard for me to find him in the room. I had to pick on him once. I'll say this, Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you give him the pen. Amen? That he can write your story. Be blessed.